listening to On The Road, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. On The Road is brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Show number 170 today, Andy has Clancy Pie for a bit of an interview and a bit of a chat. I was fortunate enough to spend the day up at the Ballinger Memorial Truck Show where Clancy and her brother Mickey performed throughout the day. I quite enjoyed their music and look forward to the interview that Andy has put together with her. I think we'll be hearing from Mickey somewhere down the track. I look forward to that as well. Got Paul Biagini in with Andy for the news once again. Paul's been fantastic helping out there. Uh, I really hope you're enjoying his input and his certainly different take on things. I know I have been and um, look forward to hearing what he's got to say. Bob, of course, is back in with something to talk about and that's always an interesting <laughs> observation of things as well righto so just before we start as i have been doing you know i've been having a bit of a monologue because i'm really not sort of having much time to put more into the podcast at the moment i'm spending a lot of time on the magazine we've just about put the magazine the february issue of the magazine to bed uh, we've had to get it done a little bit early because we've got the christmas break with the printing issues and things like that and even though we do get it printed in melbourne we have some significant turnaround time issues now since we're printing so many copies of it since there are so many of you out there that are supporting the magazine thanks very much for that we're uh, more than happy for more people to support the magazine the best way to do it right now is to get a subscription you go to www.truckandlife.net.au and you can get your subscription there of course the um, store is there where you can get the various bits and pieces of truck and life merch Always great for a Christmas present. If your old man wants something for a Christmas present, uh, you're struggling with an idea, get him a Truck and Life subscription. Four issues for $60 landed on your door. Not too bad, I don't think. Um, those of you who are listening to us overseas, we can do overseas subscriptions as well. Just email me, editor at truckandlife.net.au and we'll work that out for you. If you're in New Zealand, you can just go straight through the web page and, and that works out as well. Now, it's silly season. We all know it's silly season. But only, you know, if you're an interstate truck drive, you've only got two sleeves left till Christmas. No, that's a joke. Uh, no, you shouldn't say that, should I? We all know that it's silly season and we all know that uh, tempers can get a little bit frayed out there and we know that people do stupid things in front of trucks. I want to say to all of my work colleagues out there, guys, whatever you do, uh, try not to become a statistic yourself and try not to create a statistic. We know that 80% of the accidents that a truck involved aren't the fault of the driver. Unfortunately, if you do get caught up in it, you're going to go and uh, have to go and have all the tests and things like that and prove your innocence, unfortunately. We all know that that's true. That's the way it's got to be, I think. Dot your I's and cross your T's. Keep your head on a swivel and remember that you know everyone out there is doing their best to crash into you. I suppose that's one way to look at it. Apart from that, though, just relax. Back off five kilometres an hour. Let them go around you. 
don't get stressed out. Take your time and do what you, you need to do. I know it's easy to say. I know it's easy to say and harder to do sometimes. But sometimes for your sanity, that's what you've got to do. All right, let's get on with the show. Hope you enjoy it and uh, we'll catch up with you again later on. Come there, Andy. Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. We've got to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. On the Road News is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au. G'day, Paul. Here we are again, episode 170 News Time. A week rolls by very quickly. Rolls by uh, quickly indeed, Andy, as we get older and as we, we talked about, we're getting close to silly season. I'm sure the, uh, the time quantum speeds up around this time of year. It's madness, but yes, happy Friday. I don't know if it speeds up or slows down. It seems to drag by for me. It's a bit like summer. I'm happy when we get it over and done with quickly. Okay, fair enough. Indeed. Now, guys, just as a quick aside, Paul and I have discovered that we share similar interests when it comes to things like a love of dogs, classic automotive engineering and music. So bear with me a moment while I share with him something that happened this week. I'm sure he's going to appreciate it. When it comes to music, my two dogs couldn't be more different. And I've just discovered this. As soon as I turn on some music, the Jack Russell gets up and goes outside. End of story. Mm. Meanwhile, the sheepdog poodle cross. Yes, it's an actual breed. They call a sheep a doodle, but that's another story. Anyway, the sheepy lays down in front of the speakers and just chills out as soon as the music starts. Mm. So I thought I'd try an experiment with him. I put on a compilation set of classic rock songs and put my headphones on him. Okay. He laid down, closed his eyes, tail wagged nonstop. Very, very cool. So went off to the kitchen, made a cuppa, came back, still there, eyes shut, tail wagging, and he stayed that way for about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Suddenly leapt to his feet, barking madly, snarling, bared fangs, hackles up on his back like a wild dog. It was quite scary. Oh, so I took the headphones off and put them on myself to see what had upset him so much. Guess who was playing at the time? I have no idea. Cat Stevens. <laughs> Or if you're young, call it the Pussycat Dolls or something like that. It wasn't until after the event I thought instead of Father and Son, I should have put Cat Stevens' song I Love My Dog on there. So I love my dog as much as I love you. 
I love my dog. Yes, I, I, I did think for a moment maybe maybe somewhere Celine Dion's Christmas album <laughs> snuck in there, but you know, because I'm sure that'd make us all snarl and bear our teeth. That would make us all snarl, wouldn't it? Or what's the other one? Um, oh, the little one with the high voice every Christmas. Not Mariah Carey. Oh goodness me. <laughs> Anyway, let's forget about that and talk about news we're not going to talk about. Mm -hmm. According to The Guardian, the world's most loved and respected news site, <laughs> rail freight between Melbourne and Sydney has dropped to 2% thanks to an over-reliance on heavy polluting trucks. So we won't talk about that. No. Lynn Fox's safety, health and wellbeing team has won the Australian Freight Industry Award for Best Practice in Safety. Good on them. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Reports that since the New South Wales government adopted a zero-tolerance approach to overheight vehicles, incidents have hit, no pun intended, their lowest level since 2017. Wow, okay. Not really anywhere to go on that one either. Nothing. The Truck Industry Council's figures show we're on track for a record-breaking year in truck sales. Mm -hmm. And news through that Iveco's filled six of the top ten positions, including first place in the trucks category in the 2023 Dakar Rally. So good on them, eh? Oh, Iveco. Yeah. Okay. Moving right along, Paul, here's this week's actual news. <music> Following an incident on the Westgate Freeway in Melbourne last week, it's a touchy one, this... Janus Electric is looking into what caused the Kenworth, which had been converted to battery power, to be totally destroyed by fire. Yes, a bit of a setback for the electric truck movement, Andy. Mm. Like them, agree with them, despise them, dislike them. It doesn't matter. They're part of the landscape. They are coming. Yeah. A statement I like to use when it comes to Janus and in particular Cement Australia, who own this particular prime mover, somebody had to do it. Whether we agree with them or disagree with them, they're part of the world. So somebody had to do it. I must say, I do take my hat off to the company, Cement Australia, and their team for trialling these trucks and putting so many on the road to basically see how the technology is going to work out. Mm. Sadly, for this one, on the November the 28th, it did not work out so well. There was a large fire. The truck was burnt to the chassis rails. So Janice, the truck converting company, has released a statement saying they are working with all parties involved in the project, which no doubt will be Cement Australia, obviously, with full transparency mm. to investigate the incident and establish the root cause of the fire and to prevent any further incidents. The release isn't out there and the proof isn't there, but we could only speculate that it would be something to do with the battery pack or the battery system. The results of this investigation are expected to be released or next week, Andy. Mm. So hopefully we might have an update for the listeners next week on what actually happened. Yep. Janice, to their credit, recalled all the other trucks in the fleet with the batteries, removed the batteries from the trucks, did a safety and health check on them, ensured that all that was okay and they've gone back out on the road back to work. Mm. So, yeah, a bit of a setback. And with stupid social media, of course, it was everywhere and all the experts were out throwing their five cents worth in. Yep. But as I say, it is one of those things that it is part of our life at the moment. Moving forward, whether they do become the next standard truckers, anyone's guess, I feel, anyone's guess. But certainly a setback, but I'm sure, yeah, Janice, together with Cement Australia and their resources and their team, I'm, I'm sure they'll move forward and see how these um, electric cameras keep performing, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, my thoughts on electric vehicles is no secret, but we've spoken with Lex from Janus on a number of occasions in the past and top bloke always very transparent and desperately trying to do the right thing. So I hope they get things sorted and power on. Andy, there's just another thing you and I, we live in a parallel universe. There's another thing that you and I completely agree on is our secret opinion on electric vehicles. <laughs> Thank God it's a secret. <laughs> Thank God it's a secret, Andy. We'll keep it that way. <laughs> Paul, the federal government has agreed to demands by crossbench members of parliament, David Pocock and Jackie Lambie, in regards to same pay for same work and for first responders to get easier access to PTSD compensation. I'm sorry, it's the child in me that comes out. I know I'm a grown man, but what a funny surname that is. What, Lambie? Yeah, Lambie, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so the Senate passed a crossbench bill with the coalition support, but the government has for weeks refused to pass this bill through the House of Representatives, insisting it wanted to proceed with its original plan. So to boil it down from next year, Labor liar loopholes, sorry, Labor hire, but Labor liar and Labor hire all goes for one for me. I have the same opinion of Labor hire companies as electric vehicles. Moving on, Andy. Mm. In a move that will require employees hired through Labor hire firms doing the same work as full-time employees of a company be offered the same paying conditions. Mm. Bravo. I rarely agree with anything a Labor government does, Andy, but I applaud this because I've seen it firsthand where a Labor hire has put employees into a company doing exactly the same work as the full-time employees. Yep. And the only reason they were there is because they were cheap because they were being bastardised by the Labor hire company. Yeah. And I do feel it's pretty average uh, behaviour. So the, the new laws will also ensure employees will not miss out on their redundancy payments regardless of the size of the business. Good. Under current laws, a small business is one that employs fewer than 15 people. So some small businesses do not have to offer redundancy payment when making an employee redundant. Now, that's a two-sided coin, I guess, and small business is a massive employer in this country and employs, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Small businesses do suffer. They, they do do it hard. But then I guess the other challenge is if a loyal worker has been with a small business for 10, 15 years and there is a downturn, it would be nice, I guess, to receive some kind of payment for leaving that business. Mm. One of the things I really do like about this bill is first responders to gain uh, workers' compensation for PTSD from January 1. Now, First responders in this country, or all countries, are one of my heroes. I don't believe any of them are paid anywhere near what they should be for the job they have to do. Mm. This does remind me, Andy, of a story in Brisbane some years ago where there was a shocking house fire on the south side of Brisbane. A few family members perished, being women and children, and the, the men got out. Yes. And again, I do know this firsthand. Uh, one of the Ambos ended up with PTSD out of attending to that fire and pulling the bodies of children out. Mm. That poor Ambo went on workers' comp through Queensland Workers' Comp. In a little while, not too far into it, we ended up with PTSD, had the workers' comp cut off ended up destitute, wasn't able to return to work and ended up taking their own life because they had no support from basically dragging, you know, dead bodies out of a burnt house. Mm. 
So bravo. That is a, a positive to see because those people need the government and the community support for what is sometimes a shocking job on what they have to attend to, Andy. Yeah. Step in the right direction, mate. Yeah, it's, it's not very often, is it? Very rare. But I believe this is one. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. On the subject of fire, in the aftermath of a devastating fire which caused extensive damage to a service station in Kulak near Gundagai, police have arrested a 42-year-old man and charged him with destroying or damaging a property by fire. I'm just hoping the tucker box wasn't damaged. He was clearly upset with the price of fuel. <laughs> Andy, right. Gee whiz, I know the price of fuel up had gone up, but wow, it's an extreme reaction. It is. Yeah, about 10pm on September 5th, emergency services were called to the service station on Kulak Road in Kulak, just off the Hume Highway in the state south. They obviously, again, speaking about first responders now, Andy, I can't imagine the anxiety and the tightness in your belly being a fiery pulling up at a service station that's on fire. Yeah. yeah. We know the tanks are underground, okay, but... The place is ablaze. There's hundreds of thousands of litres of ULP in the ground. Gee whiz, they're, they're brave people. So mm. thankfully, there was no uh, reports of injuries. The damage was extensive to the building. And they have basically charged the 42-year-old man with light and fire and destroying the service station. So he's going to appear in Cootamundra Local Court on Monday, the 18th of December. And I'm sorry, I do chuckle at some of the names of these uh, police teams they set up. Mm. The investigations will continue by strike-forced dose, Andy. Very serious stuff. Right. Mm. Yeah, it is. Indeed. Well, mate, apparently we're getting closer to... On Back onto one of our favourite subjects. Apparently we're getting closer to having a sound alert systems made compulsory in electric trucks from November 2025. Now, Mike has always had his opinion as to what that sound should be. So here's a sample we'll call Mike's Choice. In case you haven't picked it, yep, it's a Mac E9 in full swing. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Back to the story, Paul. Oh, this one's going to get me on my soapbox. Bravo, bravo, do it. Let's put sand alerts in them, but why only trucks? And why only up to 20k? My God. Up to 20 kilometres an hour. Why cut it out then? Who are these policymakers? I, I want to grab them by the ears and give them the old Liverpool kiss. <laughs> Quite a few times I've been in car parks in Brisbane when I go into town and you're walking along, you know, on the left-hand side near the cars, and next thing a, a Tesla goes past and you don't even know it's there. Like, I, I am amazed that pedestrians have not been injured or even worse for these electric cars, or perhaps they haven't. We just don't know about it, Andy. Well, just quietly, as far as the Teslas are concerned, that's not usually a problem. Normally, enough, they're coming because someone will be yelling out, where's your grill? You're supposed <laughs> to have a grill on a real car. You fool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness me. So earlier this year, the Federal Department of Infrastructure released, so there we go, that's who we can blame, mm -hmm. a draft impact analysis evaluating the costs and benefits of adopting international regulations. Good old Australia will always adopt someone's regulation. Mandating acoustic vehicle alerting systems. Here we go, Andy. They're going to have their own name, AVAS, AVA Systems. Great. So... I'm sure there'll be businesses popping up all over the place to fit your Avis for hybrid electric and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. Now, 
there's a little bit of a grey area in that release. So I hope it's for all vehicles and not just trucks. But the purpose of this signal is to alert, guess what, alert vulnerable road users to the presence of a moving vehicle landing. So like everyone else, yeah. Yeah. Under the proposed changes, vehicles must produce a minimum sound level when moving at speeds of less than 20 kilometres an hour. So, Andy, does that mean that you're in no danger if an electric vehicle hits you above 20 kilometres an hour? Will you just bounce over the top of it or under it? Is that is that what they're saying? Well, possibly. I think they figured that you're probably sitting on the freeway at 100k with your stereo turned up loud and you're not going to hear them anyway. Goodness, man. It's madness. So although the final impact analysis has not been yet released, and I'm sure there's a bunch of people making a bunch of money doing this analysis, yeah, the heavy vehicle industry of Australia advises that the department has issued an exposure draft of the proposed ADR 1134-00, an explanatory statement and a seeking comment by Friday the 22nd. So great idea, the ADR involved, so they're always fun people to work with, I, I suppose. Mm. Once again, a great idea. I just baffles me why it's not all vehicles. And Andy, from a recent jaunt into Brisbane on a Saturday night to go and see a, a music show, coming back out, nearly getting slaughtered by those ridiculous scooters that scream up and down the footpath, yeah. making no sound. Yep. Hello, is anyone there? And the coppers on their segways, mate. They're dangerous too. They remind me a little bit of the old Pink Panther movies, Inspector <laughs> Clouseau. So I guess it's so they, the coppers can sneak up on criminals perhaps quietly, Andy. I don't know. Just a part of life's rich tapestry in there. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, well, take us out of that story. Here's a bit more of Mike's Mackey 9 in full swing. should be a bit of ACDC on loop. Paul, <laughs> oh, from the awe, how sweet files, comes the story of a young lass in Tassie who rolled up to her year 10 graduation in, no, not a limo, but her granddad's 2006 International Eagle 9900i. Now, have you seen the photos of this lovely young lady, Andy? What a lovely young girl. Yeah. So it was a proud day for the Rolls family in Bothwell, Tasmania, when the truck-loving teenager, Isabel, pulled up for her year 10 graduation in her grandfather's 06 International Eagle. So bless her heart. She looks like a peach jumping out of granddad's truck. Isabel explained that it was a great night. She always dreamed of being dropped off by her granddad, Peter, who founded Rolls Transport back in the 80s. I've actually seen some kids roll up on the back of a tractor in Dolby out in Western Queensland, which is quite novel. Mm. Obviously, uh, with my interest, seeing a lot of classic cars, hot rods, mid-50s cars, this is probably the first one I've seen in a prime mover, I'm sure. The highlight for this delightful young lady, she states the highlight of her night, wasn't necessarily doing the, uh, I'm not even sure what, what music kids dance to these days. <laughs> I'm sure it's not as good as Bill Haley and the Comets Rock Around the Clock, but she did say the highlight of her night was being driven by her pop in his truck to the formal. Now, like you say, cuteness overload. What a delightful young lady. Yeah, would have made his day too. Ah, oh, proud granddad moment. Yeah. So a good news story for a change, which is wonderful. Yeah, should be more of it. Mm. All right, cue breaking news music.
what have you got for us? Well, speaking about fires, service stations and all other sorts of things, I guess it's a bit of a theme this week, Andy. Hmm. The 7-Eleven chain in Australia, one of Australia's most recognisable brands, hmm. what do we recognise uh, 7-Eleven for? I guess a lot of kids would say Slurpees. When I hear a 7-Eleven, Andy, the first thing that pops up to me is either no restroom or if they do have one, it's so filthy you wouldn't let your dog stand in there. But anyway. Well, for me, it's their coffee. There you go. Is it good or bad? I've never tried it. Mate, it's not bad for a couple of bucks. It's pretty good coffee. Okay. Yep. So the 7-Eleven chain has been sold by its family owners in Australia, so here's another Australian company going out the door, to a Japanese company for $1.7 billion. That's with a B. As Andy goes quiet thinking, how many zeros is that? Yeah. The Withers and Barlow families, they have sold to 7-Eleven International, which is a joint venture between 7-Eleven Incorporated and 7-Eleven Japan. Okay. So these two families, and I didn't realise this, they opened Australia's first 7-Eleven store in suburban Melbourne in 1977. Okay. And they formally turned that into a chain of 751 stores. Isn't that an extraordinary story? Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm sad to see a business roll into the hands of overseas owners. Yeah. My darling wife said to me a few weekends ago, Andy, Australia is just a cross dock. And for those that are in the transport industry, they know exactly what a cross dock is. You know, freight comes in one door and just goes out the other and you just hold it there for a little bit. Yep. So the family states that now is the right time for the family to pass to the new owners and they can build and develop this wonderful brand. Well, at $1.7 billion, I'm sure any time's the right time to pass it on, Andy. <laughs> this joint venture, this 7-Eleven International, operates, are you ready for this, 46,000 stores in 16 countries and regions. Good grief. Andy, that's a lot of coffee and slurpees. Yeah. The 7-Eleven business will be operated as a wholly owned subsidiary headquartered in Melbourne with an existing management team that continued to lead the 9,000 plus employee company. The CEO of 7-Eleven International, Shin Abe and Ken Wakabowski. It's easy for you to say. Japanese clearly said that in a <laughs> statement that they were looking forward to continuing and to enhance the 7-Eleven brand in Australia. Great. I've had a little bit to do with Japan and the Japanese culture, and they are wonderful, wonderful, proud people, and Japan is a spotless, clean country. Mm. So I, I hope that they're building up of the 7-Eleven brand in Australia, particularly at roadhouses, where there was that whole uh, conglomeration with 7-Eleven and Mobiles, Andy, and I can remember the early days of mobile roadhouses being spotless, mm. clean toilets, good food, clean kitchens, and then when the 7-Eleven brand fell into that mobile world, the first thing that happened is a lot of the places closed their toilets, or if they were, were open, they were an abomination to walk into. Yeah. And the food just collapsed from, you know, a good sit-down feed to absolute garbage. So let's hope that the uh, boys in the Pacific Ocean there will pick that 7-Eleven place up a bit and we'll have some cleaner toilets and a good feed for travel and public. Yeah. Absolutely. Would be wonderful. My only request is don't mess with the coffee, all right? Don't mess. Well, now you've told me that. Curiosity will gain the better of me, Andy, and I will I will go and try one of those. Quite seriously, I've paid six bucks, seven bucks for a coffee that's been way worse than what you get from there. It grinds the beans in front of you and brews it up, and it's a good drop for the money. So how are we going with time, Andy? I have another breaking news. Do we have time today? 
Mate, always got time for important news from you. Well, this will be interesting on the back of the Janus electric truck and once again, the electric beepers. We've definitely got this theme going on, whether it was by design or by accident. But here's a statement that you and I both are going to love. Diesel engines will be with us for at least the next 50 years. Good. How's that for a headline? Mm -hmm. Des Evans, who is an OBE, who together with his twin brother, Dennis Evans, co-wrote the book, The Road to Zero Emissions. Now, I'm going to go out and buy that book. I think that'll be an interesting read, I have to say. Mm. They issued this bold statement as an example of how passionate the two men are about the combustion engine and how at odds they are with the UK government's current strategy of reaching net carbon zero. Mm. Another statement, Des says, I think it's ridiculous. Go, Des. And we're not ready for it. So in terms of not being ready for it, the pair cite two huge hurdles in the UK that the government faces. And it could be said this could apply around the world. Maybe, maybe not. The first relates to the vehicle assembly and whether or not the UK plans to retain the 1.5 million vehicles it builds every year, currently with internal combustion engines. Obviously, that leaves us out because we don't build cars anymore. Mm. And soon they will have to be built with battery packs. So if so... Des and Dennis say that the UK needs to build 35 GW gigafactories. So a gigafactory, I guess, a layman like you and I, Andy, is a factory that builds batteries. Hmm. Each of those factories will need to produce 500,000 battery units per year. And they also need to be located close to the vehicle assembly plants. So once again, it's nice to say all these vehicles have got to become electric and call out and holler, but I'm not sure if everyone's realising the infrastructure that's got to go behind this to make it happen, Andy. Yes. These gentlemen go on to explain that it takes five years to build one factory and $157 million to build one factory. So once again, these electric cars aren't just magically rolling out the end of the Ford and GM factory, like I think some people think. Mm. There's a lot that goes in between them. Dennis adds that there are currently 136 35 gigawatt factories either being designed or fully operational now in the world. Surprise, surprise, China has won the battery arms race and they have got about 110 of these in China. Mm -hmm. Europe has eight, America has six and Britain has zero. So the, the UK government's pushing down saying net zero, net zero, we've got to get rid of all the internal combustion engines bit like we are here, but surprise, surprise, Andy, they can't even build one battery for the electric cars, so they've got quite a challenge in front of them, haven't they? Yeah, indeed. Well, I hope you're right about the 50-year thing on diesel, because if I can look after the old ute, should be right for another 50 years. You and me both. (laughs) Yeah. So in wrapping up, I'm going to agree with this statement to a degree. They say, over the next 100 years, we will develop a greener society, and I do believe we're going to become greener, Andy. Hmm. But it should be based on evolution as opposed to revolution. The time frame of 2030 to 2035 is for the birds. Hmm. It's just not realistic and it will be delayed. So there's something to think about in that quote. I think you're right. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. All right, mate. Well, thought for the week for you. I'm ready. It's not really tied in with anything this week. It's just a bit out of the blue, but it struck me as being quite pertinent. Maturity is when your world opens up and you suddenly realise that you are not the centre of it. Mm, I like it. Mm. I like it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to reaching this maturity thing. 
<laughs> one day. Indeed. Yeah. All right, buddy. Right, mate. Well, have a great weekend. And you. Safe travels to all our listeners once again and get home to your family safe and sound, particularly with the madness that's creeping into the roads and the general society silly season is with us, Andy. Yeah. As we say at the end of the show, guys, just play nice with each other. Play nice in the sandbox. See you all. On the Road News is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Go to www.qr.com.au. Getting handy here once again with another of our wonderful Aussie music artists. This week our guest is a young lady with very close ties to the trucking industry through her family and friends, and she, along with her brother, were the special music guests who performed recently at the Dane Ballinger Memorial Truck Show in Bathurst. She was born and raised on a farm in Oberon, New South Wales, surrounded by a very musical family, picking up the guitar at just six years of age. She went on to pay her musical dues, playing in bars, and has since attracted a huge dedicated fan base, drawn to her by her captivating songs and wonderful storytelling. Since releasing her self-titled EP in 2020, she's enjoyed tremendous support from radio stations as well as her fans, and two breakout singles, Get Lost and Heaven Can't Wait, both debuted at number one on the iTunes Country Singles Charts. She's been a Star Maker Grand Finalist at Tamworth and has performed all over Australia as well as overseas in Canada and in Nashville in the USA. With a brand new album underway, her string of upcoming releases are sure to strike a chord with her growing audience. It's my pleasure today to be joined by Clancy Pye. G'day, Clancy. It's great to have this opportunity to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the program. I do really appreciate it. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, will know your name from your recent performance at the Dane Ballinger Memorial Truck Show in Bathurst. I've heard great reports from the show. It must have been really good for you and your brother Mickey to be a part of it all, especially as you have close personal ties with the Ballinger family. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a fantastic day a couple of weeks ago in Bathurst. Hmm. As you mentioned, yep, Dean Ballinger was a very well-known figure around Bathurst in the Central West, but, you know, obviously the entire trucking community across Australia was really shocked and shaken when Dane unfortunately left us a few years ago. Yeah. I think it's so fantastic the way that the trucking communities really rallied around each other and his family and put together such an incredible show in his legacy. Yeah. I think everyone that was there was really impressed, you know, by all those that really showed up and had their trucks looking spick and span. Yeah. You know, I know Dane took a lot of pride in always presenting his trucks in such, you know, top-notch condition. Yeah. It's just a fantastic legacy and something that my brother and I were really grateful to be a part of. We've obviously known the Ballinger family for many, many years, sort of growing up in Oberon and around the Bathurst area. So, yeah, we were really grateful that we could be a part of it and know how much Dane loved his country music as well. Yeah. When us being, yeah, country fans and country performers ourselves, it was really nice to be involved in the day. Yeah, it certainly was. Now, we're going to have a listen shortly to your single Heaven Can't Wait, which has ties, I believe, to your own family as well as to Dane. Before we do, can you share the story as to how this song came together for you? 
Yeah, to be honest, I've been writing songs for quite a lot of years, but that was sort of the one that when I finished writing it, it really compelled me to feel that I was ready to start sharing some of my own music. Hmm. I just felt it had a message in there that could potentially help other people that were going through, you know, losing a loved one particularly those that have left us before their time should have been up. I think that's always something that's incredibly hard to deal with. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I sort of wrote this song, I guess, just really reflecting on people that I'd lost growing up. And I grew up in Oberon too, which is quite a small community. And I was just really thinking about, you know, those people that left us way too soon and how it leaves a hole inside of you that can never really be filled. Mm. And I just wanted to kind of put words to that feeling that I think a lot of us can never really understand why these things happen. But I wanted to put that into a song. Unfortunately, it was sadly really ironic the day that we went in to record this song. I'd got the news that Dane had passed away in a, in a trucking accident. Mm. It really hit all of us, I think. And when it came to sort of releasing the song, I wanted to do a video to accompany it. And I was really fortunate that Dane's family and a lot of the other families that I'd essentially written the song about were really generous in in providing us with videos and photos of their loved ones that we were able to incorporate into a music video. And when we released the song, I think the video was viewed about 100,000 times in the first three days of its release. It sort of was something that I wasn't really expecting, to be honest, but been really humbling you know I still get people sending me messages today sort of telling me about their own ones that they'd unfortunately lost and how this song helped to provide them a bit of comfort you know grieving their loss and going through a difficult time so Mm. I guess for me as a songwriter that's been really humbling is just to know that you know words that you've created has had some kind of an impact on other people yeah well it certainly is it's a it's a great song but it is a wonderful and very moving video that went with it so folks if you haven't actually seen the video and i'm sure most of you would have but if you google that up uh, heaven can't wait clancy pie and have a look at the video it's something else very moving as i said now clancy your brother mickey he's a fine musician too and i know you guys perform together at the show even though you have busy music careers individually yeah it must be actually pretty neat being able to support each other in your separate careers as well as joining forces from time to time for special occasions oh absolutely we love every opportunity that we can get to play together and that's how we really started out to be honest right mickey he's four years older than me but When we were younger, we were both sort of learning instruments around about the same time. Hmm. And we played in a family band together growing up with our parents and and our sister. And, you know, over the years going through high school, we played in a pub country rock band for many years. So we've spent a lot of time together, a lot of late nights playing in pubs and clubs growing up. And I've been fortunate to play guitar for him. Yeah. He won the Toyota Star Maker competition a couple of years ago, actually, and had a lot of, you know, fantastic opportunities that came his way after winning that competition, including getting to play a lot of big festivals in Australia, but also overseas in Nashville and Canada. So I've been so lucky, you know, throughout those years that I was able to accompany Mickey to on play overseas and on big festival stages in Australia and so grateful for being able to play with him but even through releasing my own music mickey's been able to jump on guitar and play at some of my shows as well so we love to help each other out wherever we can 
Yeah, family that plays together and all that. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about Mickey. He can have his turn in his own interview later sometime. <laughs> now, you've got a new album coming together. Congratulations. What can we expect from the album and when is it due for release? Yeah, so I've released one single so far off that album, a song called Feels Like Home, which we released a couple of months ago. But after this album is going to have 10 songs on it. Hmm. And it really came about, I love writing and particularly throughout the COVID years, I guess, when we had periods of time where we weren't able to get out and perform. Yeah. I just sort of diverted all of that time that I'd normally be out performing to writing songs. And I think over two years, I'd written upwards of 150 songs throughout that time. I'd sort of got in the habit of trying to write one or two a week. That is seriously prolific. <laughs> yeah, it sort of, you know, started out, I guess, as a bit of a personal challenge. But I think like anything, once it becomes a habit and, and you really love doing it, mm. it would just sort of be something that I really enjoyed. And I guess the product of that was, you know, after two years or so, I had quite a big collection of songs to choose from. And so I'm, I'm really proud of this project. A lot of the songs on this album have a theme of family and, you know, a lot of the values that we grew up on, I've sort of incorporated into a lot of these songs. So Great. there's certainly quite a, a mixture in there of some more heartfelt songs similar to Heaven Can't Wait, but then also some more country upbeat songs too that I've been influenced by and really love too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a lot of that out next year and finally being able to share it with people. Looking forward to hearing it. Now, any shows coming up over the next month or two, or are you saving all your energy for Tamworth, Clancy? Yeah, that's sort of the next big event to look forward to. I guess my brother and I are playing a show in Tamworth at uh, Moonshiner's Honky Tonk Bar. Oh, cool. Yeah, on the first Saturday of the Tamworth Country Music Festival. And really looking forward to that. I think for both of us, it'll be an opportunity to share some of our new music for the first time. We'll be releasing a new single pretty close to then as well. So, yeah, looking forward to being able to share that with new audiences. And we always love heading up to Tamworth every year, so I'm sure it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Well, talking of new audiences, just to so you can give yourself a bit of a plug here, where can listeners go to find out more about you, your music, the new album, upcoming shows, all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. So I'm on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media platforms. And if you jump onto Spotify as well, and that's going to be the best way to follow me next year as I'll be releasing quite a lot of singles, particularly in the first half of the year. YouTube as well, so we'd love for people to jump on and have a listen. Fantastic. Well, folks, our special guest this week has been the delightful Clancy Pie. Clancy, thank you so much for sparing us some of your precious time and coming to play on the road with us. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Now it's time for us to have a listen to the special dedication song we talked about earlier. Would you be good enough to introduce it for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. This is my single called Heaven Can't Wait.
There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Hi there. I was talking last week about digital freight agent company and their new industry veteran man that they've put in charge. I've since found out that this freight exchange business is part of a, uh, belongs to a venture capital uh, mob, similar sort of business model to uh, the ones that bought Scots, but not the same people. Uh, and the industry veteran has been around for the 30 years he claims, but uh, uh, I'm not sure what his roles entail, but other than what's been said in that email I shared with you last week. The interesting thing is they're saying they're going to deal this trans transformational revolution with artificial intelligence and or, or whatever that can bring. I'm thinking that uh, it'd be nice just to see some any sort of intelligence, some old-fashioned real intelligence in this industry, and we could go from there without relating back to the, the closing loopholes and the uh, legislation that's already in about contracts and that. We'll go to some of the stuff that's actually been happening. I was having a beer with a, a good mate of mine the other night and I get some great visitors and great friends and mates calling in to see me up here. And he was telling me he had, and he won't mind me, we'll leave the names out, he won't mind me telling the story. Uh, he had some work backwards and forwards uh, between capital cities for uh, one of the big uh, engine manufacturers, mainly earth-moving engines and, and that sort of thing, but the odd truck engine and all that sort of thing generators and that and uh, he had a pretty good deal with them the two the two things you can say about it was it was prime rates it was his own work he wasn't subcontracted to anyone so that was getting his margin where it needed to be and like we do uh, the company I work for do and I used to try to do um, he had his rates set the same in both directions anyway he got a phone call one day from the uh, the main man at the at the customer's office and they said oh look you know we're, we're more than happy with the service you're giving us and everything else we've got a great relationship with you and everything else um but we've had a few people approach us to uh you know to do our stuff out of brisbane and um they can do it a lot cheaper than you can and he said oh can they they said yes and uh they said oh you know we, we've got the accountants on our back trying to uh get something done about it. And he said, well, you better go back to your accountants and see if they can organise something else at the same time. And the uh, operations manager said, well, what are you talking about, mate? And he said, well, he said, if I blow up an engine and I'm northbound, it's going to cost me such and such, isn't it? And they said, yes. 
He said, now, if I'm southbound, you know, coming past one of your branches down the coast or on the New England, if I'm southbound and I blow up an engine, are you going to, uh, you know, is the repair bill going to be cheaper? Is it going to be any less? Oh, no, no, our charges are constant. And he said, well, that's the whole issue, isn't it? He said, so am I. He said, I can't get my fuel, my meals, my parts, my repairs, my tyres or anything cheaper just because I'm coming the other way. And uh, anyway, the uh, result is that he kept the work for many years after. But uh, just interesting how uh, his competitors thought they could be cleverer by getting the work off him for less and where was that going to get them? The other issue is that I remember talking to Ian Pendred some time ago now and he was telling me how they were, I think, and I'm sorry, he was talking about uh, mainly New South Wales, how there are eight different freight rates for tippers around the state. And I couldn't work out why there'd be eight different freight rates and uh, it had nothing to do with distances, it had to do with the size of the vehicle. So that denotes to me that whenever someone goes from a single to a B-double or a B-double to an A-B train or some sort of alphabet road train, as we've been calling them, uh, instead of the operator realising that uh, even though he's got one less motor and one less driver, uh, the motor's going to wear out in half the time and the driver's going to need paying hopefully double what he got paid to pull a single. Um, all he's really going to do is be more efficient and uh, the rate should stay the same. But obviously it hasn't, otherwise why would there be eight different rates? Now, this all demotes to me that, like I've been saying, in many ways... Our, we are our own worst enemies in this industry. And I don't know how any kind of legislation can deal with that because, as I've quoted before, J.B. Elgin Peterson said you can't legislate against stupidity. So, you know, I, people are jumping up and down about some of the stuff I've had to say recently. I'm not going to apologise for it. I'm not going to... I'll stand corrected. If anyone wants to correct me, please do. But I'm not going to apologise. I'm not going to uh, back away from what I've been saying. There's a lot of stuff that we could fix up ourselves if we just became honest with ourselves and a bit fair income. Digital load boards aren't fair income. Industry veterans working for venture capitalists in the industry load boards aren't fair income. COD loads out of Melbourne to anywhere that don't cover real costs aren't fair income. And industrial relations laws that are being sat on in bloody parliament that probably won't get us exactly what we want anyway because minimum standards are not, are not the answer either because minimum rates weren't in 1981. I, I was castigated for saying that minimum rates wouldn't work because they just would just become the maximum and that's exactly what happened. And minimum standards, lovely, lovely thought, you know, they sound all touchy feely and warm and glowing and everything, but... If minimum rates become the maximum, minimum standards will become the maximum, in my view, and uh, we probably haven't got started in the right place with that either. Prove me wrong if you can. I hope you can. But in the meantime, take care out there and get your calculators out. Catch you later. This has been Bob McMillan. Road is brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Until next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now.
The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.